uh, we, we've been living kind of in this season where I've been calling the, the messages, Love Lives Here, and God's call on ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things. The only way that happens is God's love living in and through us. So um, just, just be fussing with that, if you will. Um, and, and last week, um, for folks who were here, I, I threw out a habit, like habit number one. Uh, it was uh, when you wake up in the morning, just give God these five seconds. Um, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Or this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And if you're going through maybe a, a, a tough time in your life, you have to add somehow. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it somehow. And then just invite, do that first thing before you, before you turn the light on, before you have coffee, before you look at your phone, before you brush your teeth. Just try to say that just as a way uh, of developing healthy spiritual habits. It takes about 10 seconds fully and just inviting God into our day, remembering that we want God to be in our day. So just, uh, if you can think about that, maybe just as a challenge, um, um, how, how are you folks doing, uh, just to go like talk about habits, how are you guys doing on maybe your New Year's resolutions? Any, anybody, many asked folks in the, first, in the first service, anybody doing well on their, okay, one in the back, okay, awesome. We had, we had zero the first service, so at least we have one person doing well. But it's, it's tough to stay steady in our New Year's resolutions. Um, I shared last week some stories about I've got a bum, torn rotator cuff shoulder thing, and, and I was sharing that I'm going to keep going to, I'm going to find a doctor that will finally tell me what I want him to tell me, that I don't need surgery, just spray some WD-40 on it, and I will be good as new. Um, I've been trying to lose a little weight, trying to get healthier this, this year, this season, and uh, I realized that it's, it's not me that's the problem, it's my scale. So I'm looking for new scales. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, th- th- this morning I want to talk about what unsettles us what unsettles us. But before that, I want to talk about ways that we settle. Ways that we settle. And we all settle in some ways, don't we? I mean, we settle up, we settle down, we settle the score, we settle our differences, we settle in, we settle into a new relationship, we settle into a new job maybe, we settle into a new season of our lives. Um, What does it mean to settle? Sarah, our 22-year-old daughter, she has a friend that's dating someone. Sarah says her friend has settled. Uh, To settle can mean to compromise, right? To settle can be a way of justifying some behavior or habit. We'll say things like, well, that's just just who I am. If that's the worst thing I do, that's really not so bad. What does it mean to settle? And how about the opposite of that? What unsettles us? What, settles, what unsettles you? What unsettles me? I want to share just a couple, three things that have unsettled me in the not-too-distant past. Um, one, it's been a few years now, um, but I had, I had bought an extra one of these. And this, this is a Rainbird sprinkler head. I, I've, had, I've had issues with my sprinkler system over the years, but I, I, I bought some extra one. I bought an extra one of these, knowing that somewhere along the line, my sprinkler head was going to go out. You know, and it, usually I'll see it, it's like watering the, the road or watering my, my neighbor's car. And I will, I, you know, I bought an extra one so that when it went out, I would just go in the garage, find it, and say, oh, zip, zip, replace it. But this is th- three or four years ago, and, and when the sprinkler went out, I went into the garage to find my sprinkler head, and I could not find it. 
And this is three or four years ago. I'm still unsettled by not being able to find my sprinkler head. And, and my wife at times, I love my wife, married 35 years, um, very happily, most of those years, very happy. Um, <laughs> no. But sometimes she'll, she'll go in my garage, and you know, my garage is sort of my place. I mean, she, Cindy can have all the rest of the house, but the garage is my place. And sometimes she'll go in there and arrange things for me or put things away. And she, she's not fessed up to it yet, but I think she took my sprinkler head and has hid it somewhere. And I, I know someday when we downsize and move to a smaller house, I'm going to find that sprinkler head where she hid it, where she put it. Um, but it, it, it unsettled me. And it's really probably four or five years ago, I'm still unsettled where that sprinkler head is. I, I bought a bunch of these. I've hid them from my wife so she cannot hide them on me. But things that unsettle me. Something else that unsettles me, when I can't fix something, I really believe if I have time and I have a YouTube video, I can fix anything. I can fix the microwave, I can fix the stove, I can build a rocket. I really believe I can fix anything, except, except when it involves heights. I've shared with some of you guys, I'm afraid of heights. We have uh, our, our house, we've got a walkout basement, so there's like three stories on the back of the house, and there's some siding on the back of the house that needs replacement. And not just down low, it's way up at the top. We have some woodpeckers in our neighborhood that are trying to build condominiums in the back of our house. And, and it unsettles me. It really unsettles me. And, I, and I, it unsettles me that I can't fix it. And then it unsettles me because I can't find anybody who will fix it, who will want to fix it. So I am still unsettled about all that. It unsettles me when I can't fix things. And more of a serious note, um, I've shared some of this with you guys. Our daughter, Sarah, 22-year-old daughter, struggles with mental health stuff. She struggles with depression and anxiety and panic attacks. And more than anything, I struggle with that. Struggle with not being able to fix my daughter, not being able to help her. And I don't know if I want to fix her so much, but I would love to be able to take some of what she struggles with and put it on me so that she doesn't have it. I struggle when my daughter struggles. My wife and I struggle with that. There's that AA mantra that says, I can't, God can, I think I will let him. I struggle with trusting that God will take care of her. If you're taking notes, um, this is the first thing on your notes. This week's question, this week's question for us to fuss with, what does it mean to be unsettled and what unsettles me? What does it mean to be unsettled and what unsettles me? And I'm going to share some Webster's definitions of unsettled and see how these apply, these, see how some of these might apply to your life. Again, Webster's definition, unsettled. Worried, disturbed, upset, disconnected, disconcerted, uneasy, troubled, uncomfortable, tense, flustered, unresolved, undecided, open-ended, arguable, debatable, moot, undetermined, to be decided. What unsettles us and what unsettles you and me? I'm going to ask you guys a big favor, online folks and folks uh, that are here in person. I'm going to ask you guys, if you could, if you have a sermon outline, if you don't have a sermon outline, steal one of the envelopes in front of you, but I'm going to ask you what unsettles you. And it could be present tense or it could be past tense, but what are some of the things that unsettle us? And if I could have you write, write those down, and, and if you've got sermon notes, just put it in the, in the um, let's connect part, the bottom part. Just write what, what, um, what unsettles you, okay? 
And if you, if you would, if you're online, just put it in the chat. And I, I asked our online hosts to ask that question ahead of time. But, but think about it. What unsettles us? And if you guys could write that down and on the way out or on the way to communion, put it in the offering plate or at the Welcome Center. Two weeks from now, I'm going to talk again, kind of a part two, about what unsettles us. What, and in particular, that message will be about what scares us. And that, how do we get unsettled at the scary times? But if, if you guys could do that for me, that would be great. And I know some of you guys are thinking, what unsettles me is when you ask us to do audience participation. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, but help me out if you can. What unsettles, what unsettles you? Uh, last Sunday, I shared a message from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. And I shared from that story, I shared some opinions about Jesus that came out of that story. Some opinions from his family that Jesus was crazy, that he was out of his mind. And then an opinion from the religious leaders that Jesus was a demon-possessed liar. And maybe some opinions that we have of Jesus. And I, I'm gonna, I called an audible this week because I'm, I'm going to go back to that same text. After sharing the message last Sunday, as I was doing my quiet time and praying time, I was unsettled. Not about the message so much, but about the idea that all the folks in the story, all the folks in the gospel story, except for Jesus... All the other folks were unsettled in the story at some level. In the message, today's message, we're going to talk about what unsettles us, or really how God unsettles us. And how God unsettles us for a purpose, holy discontent, call it. And I'll, I'll read the story first, I'll read through the story um, all the way through, and then we'll look back at it bit by bit. And again, this is from Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 3, starting with verse 20. And, and we don't have slides for it, so I'm going to just ask you to listen as best you can to listen into the story. But it's also in your, your sermon notes, too. And I, I'm, using, I'm using Eugene Peterson's The Message translation, because sometimes Eugene Peterson captures things that helps us understand what was going on in the story. And I ask you to listen carefully. These are God's words. Jesus came home, and as usual, a crowd gathered, so many making demands on him that there wasn't even time to eat. And his friends and his family heard what was going on and went to rescue him by force if necessary. They suspected Jesus was believing his own press. Then the religion scholars from Jerusalem came down, spreading rumors that Jesus was working black magic, using devil tricks to impress them with spiritual powers. And Jesus confronted their slander with a story. Does it make sense to send a devil to catch a devil? To use Satan to get rid of Satan? A constantly squabbling family disintegrates. If Satan were really fighting Satan, there, there soon wouldn't be any Satan left. Do you think it's possible in broad daylight to enter the house of an awake, able-bodied man and walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first? Tie him up, though, and you can clean him out. Listen to this carefully, Jesus says. I'm, I'm warning you. There's nothing done or said that can't be forgiving. Nothing. But if you persist in your slanders against God's Holy Spirit, you are repudiating the very one who forgives, sawing off the branch on which you're sitting, severing by your own perversity all connection with the one who forgives. Jesus gave this warning because they were accusing him of being in league with evil. And then back to our original story, just, just then his mother and brothers showed up. 
And standing outside, they relayed a message that they wanted a word with, with him, with Jesus. Jesus was surrounded by the crowd when he was given the message, hey, your mother and brothers and sisters are outside looking for you. And Jesus responded, who do you think are my mother and brothers? Looking around, taking in everyone seated around him, Jesus said, right here, right in front of you, my mother and my brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's an unsettled gospel story. I'm going to go back now. I'm going to go back now and read it one more time, bit by bit. And I want you guys uh, to look at this story from an unsettled perspective. And we're going to stop along the way to, to just um, to point some things out. But this is audience participation. And you get bonus points if you'll do this with me, okay? If you'll play along. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And every question, the answer will be unsettled. Okay? You with me? Just this, the answer is going to be unsettled. So I'm going to ask you a question and you will answer. One more time with a little more vim. I'm going to ask you a question and you'll answer. There you go. Thank you so much. So the Broncos currently are, just to practice, the Broncos are currently, uh, they don't have a head football coach. Do you know what they are? South Sub Church currently looking for a senior pastor. Do you know what we are? Not, not so much, I hope. Not as much, not as, much as the Broncos. But in, in both cases, it's not a bad thing to not have a head football coach, to not have a senior pastor. It is what it is. It just is. But being unsettled in both cases motivates folks to action, right? Broncos are looking for a head coach. Our church is, is looking for a senior pastor. Okay, here we go. Fussing with God's word again. My question to you will be something like, do you know what they are? And the answer will be, always be unsettled. Um, and remember, you got to play along just to substitute. Um, um, okay, here we go. Mark, um, Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus came home, and as usual, a crowd gathered. So many, so many making demands on him that there wasn't even time to eat. Jesus and his disciples in this home, really, it's his newly appointed apostles. This part of the story, besides being hungry, you know what they are? Oh, man, you were so much better. Just, just saying, maybe it's more coffee, but you guys are so much better than the first service. Just, but, but point number one, point number one, um, if you're taking notes, unsettled in circumstances. Unsettled in circumstances. Anybody here unsettled in your circumstances? What life has seemingly thrown at you, be it in your job or your relationships or at school, Unsettled in your circumstances. Unsettled with what life has given you, what life has thrown at, at you. Verse 21. His friends and family heard what was going on and went to rescue him, went to rescue Jesus by force if necessary. They suspected he was believing his own press. Jesus' family, their opinion, Jesus, he's lost his mind. He's crazy. He's, he's out of it. Jesus' friends and family, you know what they are? So good. Some of you are a little bit better than others. I, I, I applaud you for that. Um, point, point number two, unsettled with family. Unsettled with family. Anybody struggling with any family issues in your life? I love my family, my family of origin. We have a big family. I'm one of, I'm one of six kids. After I left the house, my, my mom and dad adopted another one. Um, when we get together, there's like 32 of us, you know, just kids and grandkids and so on. And I, I love every one of them. 
But when we get together, we truly put the fun in dysfunction. Um, it, it's a little wacky. When my wife first met my family, she, she said, I love you, but I'm not so sure about your family. Um, unsettled, it can be, right? Unsettled with family. Verse 22, the religious, the religion scholars, teachers of the law from Jerusalem came down spreading rumors that Jesus was working black magic, using devil tricks to impress them with spiritual powers. In their opinion, Jesus was a demon-possessed liar. These religious scholars, these teachers of the law, you know what they are? It's so good. <laughs> you guys are so good, I'm losing my place. Um, point, point, <laughs> point number three, unsettled, unsettled in our faith journey. Unsettled in our faith journey. Unsettled in what we believe. Anybody unsettled in their faith journey? Struggling with this whole faith thing? Struggling right now in believing this matters? Maybe it's because of your circumstances. Maybe it's because of family issues. But right now, you're struggling with what it means to put hope and trust in God, in Jesus. And maybe you're struggling with what it means to live out your faith, minute by minute, day by day, unsettled in your faith journey. Anybody unsettled? In their faith journey. Verse 23, Jesus confronted their slander with a story, with a parable. Do you know what Jesus is? Trick question. Jesus is the only one who's not, who's not unsettled. Thank you. Thank you. You guys were very enthusiastic. Um, <laughs> but I think he's the only one in the story that was not settled. He was not, he was not rattled. I don't think he's unsettled. And then he shares this. Does it make sense to send a devil to catch a devil? To use Satan to get rid of Satan? A constantly squabbling family disintegrates. A house cannot stand against itself. If Satan were fighting Satan, there soon wouldn't be any Satan left. Do you think it's possible in broad daylight to enter the house of an awake, able-bodied man and walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first? Tie him up, though, and you can clean him out. In the parable, in the, in the story Jesus is telling, the strong man, the strong woman's house, the able-bodied man or the able-bodied woman, they get tied up. Just like we get tied up with all kinds of things, right? Somebody breaks into your house, somebody breaks into our house, ties us up. You know what happens? You become very... <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Jesus speaking again, verse 28. Listen to this carefully, Jesus says. I'm warning you, there's nothing done or said that can't be forgiven. There's nothing done or said that can't be forgiven. But if you persist in your slanders against God's Holy Spirit, you are repudiating or denying the very one who forgives. Sawing off the branch on which you're sitting, severing by your own perversity, your own stubbornness, your own unreasonableness, all connection with the one who forgives. Jesus gave this warning because they were accusing him of being in league with with evil, with being the devil. The NIV translation for this last part, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They're guilty of an eternal sin. Those who saw off the branch they're sitting on, those who blaspheme or lie against the Holy Spirit, those who slander or deny God's Holy Spirit, the created denying the creator, do you know what they are? Unsettled. Point number four, 
unsettled because of our sin. Unsettled because of our sin. Anybody here unsettled because of your sin? Unsettled because of the darkness in your soul? Some folks define sin as missing the mark or missing the target when we do the opposite of what we're called to do, when we do the opposite of what we know is true and just. And maybe we can say sin is when we do what we want versus what God wants. When we lie or when we gossip or when we're selfish or you list all the sins out. Just a reminder to all of us, we all sin. There's that text, for all have sinned and all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark. We're broken folks living in a broken world. Unsettled because of our sin. Next part of the story, and we talked about this some last week. In this gospel story, the, the writer of Mark's gospel uses this technique, this framing technique or sandwiching technique. There's a story within a story. There's an interruption to the first story about family and friends worried that Jesus has lost his mind, he's gone crazy, and they come to get him. Then there's this interruption of that story with the story about the teachers of the law and these religious scholars that just show up and accuse Jesus of being a demon-possessed liar. When our stories get interrupted, when life gets interrupted, what does that make us? Yes. Point number five, unsettled in life. Unsettled in life. In, anybody right now unsettled in your life? This is not the way it's supposed to be. No, no, no. This is not how this is supposed to play out. We want to say time out or redo or reset. This is not the way we thought it would play out. Unsettled in life. Back to the original story, the first story, when Jesus' mother and brothers are, are coming down to, to find out what's going on with Jesus. Verse 31. Just then, his mother and brothers showed up. And standing outside, they relayed a message that they wanted a word with him, with Jesus. Mother and brothers traveled down from Nazareth, intent on bringing Jesus to his senses or taking him home by force. Do you know what they were? Unsettled, yes. Point number six, unsettled in our relationships. Any unsettledness in your relationships? Any struggles in your relationships? God's word says wherever two or more are gathered, God is there also. My counterpoint to that is wherever two or more are gathered, it's prime for an argument or <laughs> conflict or unsettledness. And I shared this story, and I'm not so proud of this story, but I'll share it with you guys. Um, uh, a buddy of mine, Bruce, Bruce Erickson, uh, he's been a friend of mine for 40 years. We, in 1982, we traveled together in a group called Up With People. For a year, we worked together and played together uh, and traveled together all over the world. And we just became best friends, just super, super good friends. Um, and after our year touring, we went to work for Up With People for a year or so. It was just, just a great friend. And... Uh, I came back out, moved back out to Colorado. He, he finished up school at Syracuse. And during the summer of his junior and senior year, he came out and lived with me. And we built houses in Highlands Ranch. Um, he really built houses. I watched him and told him how to build them right. And he still gives me grief about that. Um, but just a best friend. Um, a few years later, he was best man in Cindy and I's wedding. And then a few years later, I was in his wedding. We were just, you know, just best friends. And then stuff happened. We, we drift, not intentionally, but we just drifted apart. It happens, doesn't it, in our relationships? It's about 20 years ago. He went left, I went right. I, I went to seminary, moved a bunch of times, and just lost contact with him, lost, his, lost the connection, lost his phone numbers. 
And then this past September, we had a bunch of friends, unexpectedly, about 15 friends that we had traveled with, mutual friends of ours, showed up here at church, surprised me. And, and they said to me, hey, do you still keep in touch with your buddy Bruce? And I said, no, I've lost contact. And they said, well, hey, did you know your buddy Bruce, he had a heart attack, serious heart attack a year ago? I said, no, and I felt so bad. And I got his contact information and connected with him. And we ended up, um, last October when I went to visit my dad in Florida, Bruce lives in Orlando, we got to spend just some great time with Bruce reconnecting. But, but he told me a couple of years back, when he was cutting his lawn on his lawnmower, he, he told me that when he thought about our relationship, he kept thinking, what, what did I do? What did I do to break that relationship? What did I do to hurt Joe? And, and he told me he wept as he's mowing his lawn. And, you know, in Orlando, when it's hot, I mean, it looks like you're just sweating. But, but, but he, he told me he wept. And I felt so bad about that because it wasn't, it wasn't anything that he did or I did. We just drifted apart. We drift apart from our relationships, don't we? Sometimes we drift away apart from God. Um, back to our story. Jesus in this house overflowing with people. Jesus was surrounded by the crowd when he was given the message, your mother and brothers and sisters are outside looking for you. And this part of the story I struggle with because Jesus doesn't move. Nothing. And the crowd around Jesus wondering, what's up with this guy? Hey, buddy, your mom's outside. You better go outside. The crowd around Jesus, do you, do you know what they were becoming? Unsettled, yes. I believe there's some tough love going on here, some tough love by Jesus to, the, to those that were around him, but some tough love to us as well. Jesus teaching us in our unsettledness. Remember, this is Jesus speaking, Jesus, the Son of God. In verse 33 and following, Jesus responded, who do you think are my mother and brothers? And he looks around the room, t- taking in everyone seated around him. He said, right here, right in front of you, you're my mother and my brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now who's unsettled? The folks sitting with Jesus? The crowd gathered around Jesus? The 12 apostles fresh off their mountain retreat when they were handpicked by Jesus, when they were chosen by Jesus, realizing maybe for the first time this being with Jesus, this learning from Jesus, this following Jesus, it's going to be, it's going to be more than just showing up. They're going to be called into action, obedience. They're going to be called to not just show up, but they're going to be called to follow God's will. In the NIV translation of this verse, Whoever does God's will, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This unsettles me, and maybe you too. Point number seven, unsettled in what it means to follow Jesus, to do the will of God, and to be part of the family of God. Unsettled in what it means to follow Jesus, unsettled in what it means to do God's will, and settled in what it means to be part of God's family. Unsettled, but unsettled with purpose. I believe God allows us to be unsettled so we're motivated to act. When God stirs in us an unsettledness, something we can't shake, I believe God is motivating us towards some action. Not just knowledge or not just showing up, 
but some action, some, some doing, some holy discontent. God calling us to a, a holy purpose, holy discontent. Romans 8.28, I've shared this with some of you. It, at times in my life, it is one of my least favorite verses. Romans 8.28, right in the middle of Paul's letter to the folks in Rome. And it's a turning point because he says this. And we know that in all things, all things, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I've shared this with you guys before. I've penciled in my Bible, I've penciled this in big letters on my heart, the word eventually. Because sometimes in the midst of the stuff, there's no way any good is going to come out of this. No way. Maybe, maybe in the rearview mirror when the, we've, we've gone down a few miles, we can look back and say, oh, okay, that's maybe what God was teaching me. Or maybe sometimes this side of heaven, we never get to know why the stuff happens. And we know that in all things, all things, all things, in all of our unsettled things, when we're unsettled in circumstances, or unsettled with family, or unsettled in our faith journey, or unsettled in our sin, or unsettled in our lives, unsettled in our relationships, unsettled in what it means to follow Jesus, unsettled in what it means to do the will of God, unsettled in what it means to be part of the family of God. Unsettled. Another word for unsettled is dissatisfied. And we fussed with this in the fall. D plus V plus NS has got to be greater than R. D plus V plus NS has got to be greater than R. And D is dissatisfied with the current condition or, or unsettled with the current condition. V is vision of a preferred reality, what, it would, what we'd like it to look like. NS is next step or FS, first step. has got to be greater than R, our resistance to change. Man, there's a lot of R. There's a lot of R in my life. A lot of resistance in our lives to change, to be transformed by God, to be transformed by Jesus, to be more like Jesus. It's my own struggle with this, and this is not very holy, but maybe it shares some insight into my own struggle. I'm lying on my back. The physical therapist is telling me, give me your arm. I've got some stuff going on with my shoulder, and he's trying to give me physical therapy. Uh, I've been doing this the last couple of weeks. This past Tuesday, the therapist, John, and I have a love-hate relationship with, with John. <laughs> He's telling me to let go of my arm, to let him have it, to relax, to just let it go. And with all my mind, I'm trying to let him have it. And he's telling me, you're not giving it to me. And I tell him, I'm trying. He tells me to try harder. And he gives me some breathing techniques to help give it to him. And I resist. And I tell him I have control issues. He says, I know. Um, <laughs> And we, laugh, we laughed about it, but I could not give him my arm. I could not surrender total control to him of my arm. I did go back Friday and he said, Joe, you're doing better. You're doing better. But he was trying to help me. He's trying to heal me. And I resist. At some organic, earthly level, I resisted. I couldn't surrender control. I, I couldn't surrender. And all the characters in today's gospel story, Jesus' disciples, Jesus' family, the teachers of the law, the crowd at the house, they're all unsettled. Why? I believe just like me, they're struggling with letting go. They, they still want to be in control. And Jesus is telling them, you really want to follow me? You want to be part of my spiritual family? You want to, you want to do God's will? You've got to do God's will. 
You've got to surrender your will and do my Father's will. Surrender, I believe, is the key. Trusting is the key. And it's so hard at times. Same with the PT guy, my buddy, not my buddy yet, maybe he'll be my buddy, but my, my, my physical therapist, John, trying to help me with my shoulder. He said, stop fighting me. Let me have your arm. And I couldn't give it to him. And I was trying, or I thought I was. I couldn't surrender control. I didn't, didn't trust him enough. I didn't trust him enough to let go. I believe Jesus is challenging us to let go, to surrender, to trust him. It's hard to do it. Because we're unsettled, anxious, scared people. Anybody feeling that? Anybody feeling unsettled? Different, different take on all this. Um, and, and this is in a good way. You know what unsettles me more than anything? In a good way. And this is a good unsettle. You know what unsettles me? When God shows up in unexpected ways, in unexpected places. When God surprises me. When God surprises us. Sometimes it happens here at church. Most times it's in the everyday stuff. At work, or at home, or driving in the car, or the, in Walgreens, at school. I saw it a week ago in room 564, Littleton Hospital of the ICU. But we have to look for it, I believe. We have to look for, for God showing up in unexpected places, unexpected ways. We have to be open for it believe we have to have an eye and a heart for God's presence with us. Emmanuel, God with us. I believe God's sending us out. Whether you're 10 or 110, God's not done with us. If we're still breathing, we're still on this side of heaven, God's got work for us to do. God's sending us out. Joshua 1.9, one of my favorite texts. Uh, These are God's words to Joshua as he's about to take over for Moses. He's about to cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. And Joshua is scared. And God says to him, be strong. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God will be with you. I will be with you wherever you go. I got you. I got you. I believe God does God's best work when you and I, when we're unsettled. And I believe that's true because it's so easy for us to settle. It's so easy for me to settle. God doesn't want us to settle. When we're unsettled, I believe God is at work. That unsettledness, it's God's way of telling us to lean in, to trust him. God does not want us to settle. God wants us to be transformed. God wants us to to hunger for him, for heaven, for eternal things. God does not want us to settle for earthly things. From St. Paul, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not settle, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. It's from Romans 12, 2. God does not want us to settle or coast. You guys can hold me, you guys can hold this to me. Sometime, hopefully around June 1st, I'm going to try to retire a second time. Um, But if you find me wanting to go to a beach and drinking drinks with little umbrellas on it, you have my permission to kick me to kick me in the you-know-what. Here's my prayer for you guys. Here's the habit I want you guys, if you can, to take it home with you. And it is a tough one to embrace. This week's habit is in your sermon notes. Lord, unsettle me. 
Unsettle me. Unsettle me in the best kind of way so that I, I will do your will. Unsettle me. It's a tough prayer, a scary prayer. And I borrowed this closing prayer from Lisa Tierkirst. And if you've not read anything from Lisa Tierkirst, I just encourage you to do it because she's so honest and vulnerable about her own struggles. But here's Lisa's prayer for us. Unsettle me in the best kind of way. For when I allow your touch to reach the deepest parts of me, dark and dingy and hidden away too long, suddenly, suddenly a fresh wind of life twists and twirls and dances through my soul. Unsettle me. Unsettle us. Don't let us settle for things on this side of heaven. Help us to be unsettled for your things. Unsettle me in the best kind of way. Those two women who ran from the empty tomb on that first Easter morning. And I love the NRSV translation of this. They ran from the empty tomb, terrified and amazed. Terrified and amazed. They seem like polar opposite emotions, but they ran from the tomb, terrified and amazed. You know what they were? Unsettled. Unsettled in all the right ways. Just going back to my rainbird sprinkler head story. I'm going to keep this in my office so my wife can't hide it. <laughs> but it still bugs me where that, that went. <laughs> and that's four or five years ago. Are we unsettled for the right things? Are we unsettled for the right things? My prayer, my hope for us, let God unsettle me. Let God unsettle us for the right things. And help me, help us lean into that unsettledness to do God's will.